we have a COVID crisis in the Premier League. Nations League, UEFA Champions League, and CONCACAF Champions League draws to go over, as well as a U.S. Men's National Team game to recap. All of this and more on today's episode of the Final Third Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show. Link will be down below in the show notes. Also, give us a rating on Spotify now or Apple Podcasts, as you probably have uh, given us a rating before. And yeah, enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Final Third Podcast. It is Monday. It is our news and predictions episode. My name is AJ Tabura. I'm a fan of West Ham United. Uh, we did not play today because of uh, North City having a little bit of COVID crisis. Talk about that in a little bit. Also a fan of Minnesota United and the U.S. national teams, which uh, U.S. men's national team beat Bosnia. We'll also be talking about that. And I'm joined on this wonderful episode 50 with my co-host, Jack. Jack, how are you on this 50th episode of ours? Pretty good. I am officially done with this past semester. <sighs> AJ still has to struggle through those yeah. a little bit, uh, but I am officially done as of Saturday. Um, I am a fan of Chelsea. They did play today, but they might as well have not played. Yeah. Um, I am a fan of Minnesota United, Atlanta. We won't talk about them any more <laughs> oh than oh is boy. necessary. <laughs> um, and I'm a fan of the French and U.S. national teams. So at least... At least there is one good part of this past uh, this this past weekend for soccer for me. Yeah, we'll be talking about the French national team as well, at least a little bit uh, in uh, one of the sections ahead of us. Just as a, you know, for any new listeners, the way the show works on Monday, we have our news and predictions episode on Thursday. We have our deep dive episode into one very specific topic. But, you know, for the Monday episodes, we go over the big news that happens on and off the field in the football, in the soccer world, talk about some big uh, news stories. Then we move on to uh, some predictions. We look at the week past and all the the five biggest games that happened, go over how we predicted the games would unfold. And then we also try to predict uh, the next week's biggest games. This week, it's going to be a lot of uh, Boxing Day games because there's not a lot of... uh, leagues that go on during the christmas time and who knows maybe the boxing day fixers will get canceled anyways we'll be talking about that before we get into uh, all of the news and predictions follow us on twitter at final third show link will be down below and if you listen to us on spotify literally stop what you're doing right now go to the podcast page and rate this show because i just noticed this track i don't know if you noticed it's possible to like rate podcasts on Spotify now. It is. So oh, if you go to the podcast page, that. there should be like a little star symbol. Click on that. Give us a quick five star review. Once we get to you know enough uh, reviews on Spotify, it'll start to show up for everybody that we are a five star podcast. So that's a nice free way to support the show, especially if you're a regular Spotify listener. So uh, yeah, thanks for doing that. And yeah, let's uh, move on from all the housekeeping stuff and talk about actual soccer here jack are you ready to talk about some of these new stories yeah we've got a lot of honestly off the field stuff to talk about so let's get right into it yeah it's mostly off the field stuff because not a lot of on the field action going on right now if i'm being honest whether it's the fact that some games aren't being played and the fact that just not a lot of notable games are happening uh but on that first point covid crisis at least in the premier league some other leagues have been hit 
but especially, especially the English Premier League. Cases are rising due to Omicron, and the, the English Premier League and American leagues like the NBA and the NCAA are having to postpone games left and right due to an increase in COVID-19 cases within the teams. Just this past weekend in the Premier League, of the 10 games that are supposed to be played this weekend, only four got played. In fact, there's only one yesterday when there's supposed to be like a slate of like five or six. Like it, it was it. It's nuts. And uh, a lot of that is due to the fact that some teams have outbreaks and uh, they don't have enough players to continue or whatever the metric is. Sometimes it's both teams or in the case of at least I know with West Ham and Norwich City, it was it was mostly Norwich City that had an outbreak West Ham as far as I know, don't have too much of COVID cases historically and right now. Uh, so that is the current deal right now. To the point that uh, when this is coming out Monday, uh, a lot of the Premier League teams are going to have a potential meeting on whether or not to pause slash uh, postpone uh the remaining December fixtures. I, I, I'm forgetting which match they were on, but the next three or so match days, which given the Boxing Day fixtures and how congested they are, might just be one and a half, two weeks uh, long. So, Jack, I'm going to pass it over to you. What do you think about the current uh, COVID crisis happening in the Premier League right now? Yeah, well, I just wanted to quick mention that um, according to an article from The Athletic today, it looks right. like the most likely game week that would be canceled, if a, if any, is game week 20 which is the fixtures from december 28th to 30th okay and um i mean there there is not just a covid crisis in the premier league but in all of the uk as a whole mm -hmm. i mean you you this isn't just happening at the top flight it's happening in all of the leagues about half of the of the games in the championship league one and league two were also canceled this uh or postponed i, I should say this past weekend um, so it, it's definitely happening everywhere. I believe that on December 15th, there were 200,000 new cases in the entire UK yeah. that were reported. And London is averaging about 26,000 cases per day. And if I can go even further and say that, uh, I think COVID's everywhere, Jack. Yeah, I, it, it I, is <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, it, it yeah. is everywhere. Yeah, well, when we're talking about the Premier League, yeah, of course, it's the UK. But I, I do have to mention uh, Omicron... This variance, I'm not a doctor, so I can't really say too much, but but from what the experts are saying, what the scientists are saying, it is uh, affecting the world over. Uh, and that includes the sports leagues from America to Europe to Asia, Africa, wherever. So, yes, very, very true. Yeah. But, you know, this is this is a big issue, right? We, we've seen this happen before. And the the problem, I think, is. You know, there, there's a lot of clubs that don't want to cancel or postpone games. And some of that is because they simply just don't want to do that. But the other part of that is, you know, advertisements. Mm -hmm. Amazon especially is getting in on this and saying, oh, we're going to broadcast all of the games uh, the, over the holiday period. And it, we're going to show them all, but only if you subscribe to our service. They're, they're banking on this kind of stuff going through. but. At the same time, I think that this is an even bigger problem than before. I, I, I don't know how often you're on TikTok, AJ, but I, I'm on it pretty often. Yeah, I'm on it pretty often. 
especially now that I'm done with finals. Uh, because what else can you really do right now? Uh, but I I was looking on there, and there were a bunch of UK-based uh, football TikTokers, you could say, that they they were they were going through and saying like, oh, it's a joke that uh, the Premier League would cancel things. There's only been one death from Omicron mm-hmm. reported, but that kind of misses the bigger picture of things because. Omicron, according to uh, virologists, they're saying that this is far more transmissible than any other variant of coronavirus. And and, and it gets past uh, current levels of immunity. Yeah. Well, I say current levels as in like double vaccinated booster shots are are, are a different story, but not everybody has access to a booster shot. Right. And so... When I'm thinking about all of this, you know, 200,000 cases in a day. I don't I haven't looked at the numbers specifically for today, but I imagine they're still pretty high up there. And what I'm most worried about is, you know, a lot of these stadiums fit 30, 40,000 people in them, if not more. If you're gathering that many people in one place and you're talking about a, a variant of coronavirus that has a far greater transmissibility rate than ever before you're talking about potentially devastating consequences really and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean deaths because that's not the main that that's not always the main concern it is a concern but you know you you could be putting fans at risk and players at risk and i another concern that that i think hasn't been talked about enough is you know, it's not just the players getting COVID and other people getting COVID. That's the issue with uh, the, you know, the festive fixture fixtures or whatever, right? The mm-hmm. six day period where they pl- where each team plays about three games. The issue is also player safety and regular health, like right. they're, they're, because if you have depleted squads who don't have full rosters of players, you know, they're playing with like half their roster. You can't rotate as much, and you kind of need that when you're playing three games in six days. And if you can't do that, you're you're looking at doing more damage, uh, not just in terms of like COVID, but you're you're looking at damage to players' physical health as well, uh, like you know muscle injuries, cramps, uh, just awful awful things can happen. I I think that there's a lot of aspects of this which. I, I, I think I, I don't know if you share my opinion on this, but I think that this needs to be paused to a certain extent. I think there needs to be a pause. In the well, well, I, I will get into that and, and to kind of qualify that uh, because it, it does look like some level of pausing is on the table, uh, at least according to these Premier League clubs. I, I want to ask you. What ha- what level of pausing would you like to see the Premier League enact right now? I I think at the very least, you know, postponing a few of the games in that in that uh you know holiday period. I think if you're already postponing seventy percent of the games every week, you might as well just postpone the rest of them. Uh, because odds are by having them, you're going to have some fans who test positive still go to those games and as a result it could spread even further and uh so i think there has to be some measures taken to contain things 
because uh you know i i i've heard some rumblings in the uk that they might go to like another shorter lockdown uh for like a week or two which honestly probably smart uh but i i think that there there's just a lot of issues that that have to be addressed with this um and part of that starts with just postponing the games and potentially and i know people aren't going to like to hear this potentially go back to limited capacity in stadiums or potentially no fans at all right it's right like i i I know it sucks and nobody likes that but you're just looking at the reality of the situation and if you want to protect people i I don't know i think that's the way to go uh yeah i think so too in terms of limited fan capacity i i I am 100 for it i know it might cut into uh how much money these clubs are getting, even though I think TV money will get them most of the way. But honestly, like 50% spread across the stadium has worked in the past. Uh, so I'm 100% for that. Jack, with, with this like break that you're talking about, could you see it being longer or, or do you see it at, at, at the very least in your mind being this festive break? Because I, I, I will say, I've always been a proponent of uh, a winter break in the Premier League. I think, maybe it's because I'm an American, I, I think playing <laughs> so many games during Christmas time when the players want to be with their families, I, I think it's a little sacrilegious. But how, how would you design uh, the Premier League's response to the rising COVID cases right now? Well, I think, first of all, you've got to, you know, you, you've got to postpone some of these games regardless. Right. Yes. You know, it, it's I, I think it's, we're in agreement there. Right. If it, if it's this bad already, um, I honestly think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, the second thing you do. Is you actually talk to virologists, not not just your your wealthy club owners and your and your advertisement or, or ad revenue sources, whatever, whatever, you know, you don't just talk to them. You talk to actual scientists who are and say, OK. What is the safest capacity we can go at with stadiums in order to keep this running? And if that's no fans in it, then follow that advice. You know, I, I, I am not a scientist, so that's why I defer my trust towards those scientists yeah. in, in this kind of stuff. And I think the Premier League should do the same and, you know, try and get things back on track, but also recognize that, you know, you have to. You have to make sure that you're actually handling this situation and not just sweeping it out under the rug, because then it just gets even worse every week that you keep do that you keep doing this. The yeah. big obstacle to this is I've I've seen that there's a lot of clubs that are, aren't in favor of postponing all of those games, which I think is probably the wrong choice and probably financially motivated. But uh, yeah, I, I think that the Premier League needs to take some serious action. I I agree, and if I if if I am going to be honest, I'm I I am also not in favor of large scale postponements. I I I'm one hundred percent in favor of limited limited crowds because I I think that there is a chance a small chance, but you know you, you want to decrease a percentage chances all all around uh, that you can catch COVID. So. Even if it does, you know, relatively little, uh, it's still something. It's still, you know, when you think about the cost benefit analysis, you might lose 
uh, a couple a couple thousand million dollars or pounds. Uh, but at the same time, if you can balance that with like, oh, but we'll reduce this amount of cases or, you know, the virologists are saying this or that, then it's important. So in in terms of, of fan health, I'm 100 percent in favor of limited crowds. In terms of player health, I think maybe counterintuitively, it would hurt more than help to take a longer break, a two week to a month break, whatever. Uh, else it would be on the cards beyond like the these first couple of match days jack did do, do you get where i'm coming from there i'm about well, to get yeah. into it i just want i just no, want no, to hear i I, 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 get, I think i i think i get where yeah. you're coming from uh, on the hurting health more than it might help but yes yeah i i i think large-scale postponement assumes that the players won't see their families go to gatherings and go into public and in a way i think that's a little naive uh We've seen what players are capable of in terms of breaking uh, COVID protocol or just doing dumb stuff even before the pandemic times. And so if we're trying to reduce the amount of cases that are going on in teams, part of me is like very strongly assumes that a lot of these cases, uh, most of them at least, originate from outside uh, clubs because the clubs aren't able to actually control protocol in personal lives. It also assumes that COVID won't be in the exact same place, if not worse than as it was before. And I think if you're going to postpone now, I don't want it to happen, but I think you should just postpone for months and months and months at that point until you get to a point where it's better than it is right now, which might be months and months and months. But my main problem with mass postponement is also the fixture congestion leading to guaranteed player issues because you know to take you know chelsea players for example uh because you guys are you know technically in the most amount of competitions right now you have the premier league the champions league or europa or conference league for other teams club world cup fa cup efl cup we have the international games the world cup qualifiers that people play through now if you start postponing games that means that you have more congestion towards the end of the season and even if you try to go into the summer, well, the summer's still congested even without a tournament because due to the World Cup happening later on uh, next year, we have an earlier start time in July for a lot of these leagues. So these players will have no summer break. And we've seen what that does to players' health, uh, especially with mus- muscle injuries. So this will have very large-scale effects that might be chronic and that's what i think about that jack any thoughts on that before i talk a little bit more about what the premier league can be doing no i I think i think i get it i i don't think that they should delay any longer than like you know a week at most or like a week or two maybe you know um i i think you're you're definitely right that you you're looking at potentially worse problems down the road uh but i think you know, either way, action has to be made. Yeah. And, and I love the idea of just taking a break to, like, collect your bearings, right? Because even if, even if you, can, you physically can't cancel games at risk of, like, player health later on, you at the very least can take some time to be like, all right, here are the new regulations. Here's how we're going to implement them. Instead of, like, coming with stuff up on the fly. Which Now, I'm going to talk about some things I think the Premier League should do other than postpone or cancel competitions. 
number one, and I think Jack, you're gonna agree with me, is increase testing and try to encourage or force more vaccination rates. Is oh that, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I I agree. Um, I I'm I'm shocked that the Premier League doesn't already have a hundred percent vaccination rate, but yeah. Uh, do, do, you know, do you know what the should? percentage is, Jack? Uh, I believe I I want to say I saw like eighty to eighty five the last time I remember seeing a stat on it, but I it's, could be wrong on that. I I think it might be eighty percent like in the process or having been fully vaccinated. This is an old stat. This was in October, but only sixty eight percent of the EPL were double vaccinated, and I think it was closer to around seventy five eighty percent that had at least one dose, but twenty five percent said that they had no intention on getting any vaccination in October at least that probably hopefully has changed compare that with other leagues where it's 90% even in America where yes it's it's going around a lot but uh outcomes are still better uh here cuz we have a uh, 90% vax rate uh even though you can still get the disease when you're vaccinated we all know that your chances are slightly lowered and you probably won't suffer as long-term consequences like Joshua Kimmich, who has lung issues and will be out until 2022. And he's a key player for Bayern. That kind of sucks for them, and we don't want to see that happen in the Premier League. Uh, I saw this news story saying that Wolves, players, and staff will all get boosted on Monday, which is exactly the type of movement that you want to see with these clubs. And Klopp even mentioned that he won't sign a player that's unvaccinated. So... Jack, it, how, just how important is it for people and these players especially to get vaccinated in terms of keeping the Premier League afloat? Oh, incredibly important. If you, if you don't have that, then it's very likely the league gets shut down for a longer period of time. Like it, it, it is the single most important thing you can do to protect other people. And it's quick. It's easy to do. Uh, it's free. <laughs> For uh, not not to mention, I'm pretty sure it's free in Europe as well. Given yes, that, it is. I think. Uh, yeah. Um. But I I think that all of these players, there should be way more movements like what Wolves are doing. You know, I hate playing against Wolves. I really don't like it. Uh. But I I like what they're doing there. If if that if they're yeah. if they're trying to encourage more people to get vaccinations like that then that's fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the more of that, the better. Yeah, getting boosted is sick. It's, it's great, keeps you healthy. Uh, but in addition to that, because like I said before, you can still get COVID, even if it's going to be minor, even if you're only going to be out for a couple of days. We can still avoid catching COVID uh, by increasing and standardizing testing and postponement procedure. Joel Embiid of the NBA's Philadelphia 76ers commented that while the NBA's testing procedures know pretty strong last season it's kind of fallen off a cliff in terms of quality this season testing wasn't happening regularly only certain teams will get tested masks weren't really enforced players and public were in the common areas same story in the nfl and i really think that has to be the case in england and the other soccer leagues as well sports leagues in my opinion need to increase testing masking and also be clear about what needs to happen if there's an outbreak and what constitutes a game-by-game postponement. Jack and I were talking about it uh, over text earlier uh, today, but it's a bit strange how Chelsea didn't get their game postponed, and you can point towards uh, them still having enough players, which is true, but at the same time, 
is that actually the the way that they determine whether a game should be postponed? We don't know. According to Mikel Arteta, he doesn't know. Tuchel doesn't know either. Is it X percent of the first team is remaining? Is it X players infected, X players left, X cases in a certain time period? Uh, who knows? Like you need room for interpretation, obviously, but to have some level of transparency is good for the teams. And in my mind, it's good for the the fans that, you know, as long as we still have fans in stadiums, we'll be traveling to games that could be postponed, which is what happened a lot this week. Jack, I'm sure you have a lot to say about uh, the current testing and postponement policy with with Chelsea getting kind of shafted the last couple of days. Like, what are your opinions on this method of containing the pandemic? Honestly, just make it very clear what you want to happen like make the make the rules say actual things don't make it vague and open for interpretation too much like like you were saying aj you've got to leave some room for that but at the same time you've got to give you know players teams coaches an actual threshold or something that they can judge things so it doesn't feel inherently arbitrary because it feels I, I really arbitrary Jeez, right, yeah I, I don't think i I have no intention of calling the game or the lack of postponement for Chelsea like rigged against Chelsea, as I've seen some people on Twitter say. Um, <laughs> sure. But, you know, if if you continue without that transparency, that's what you're going to get that you're going to get less people trusting it. And, you know, if the, pre- the we, we've talked about this a few times, the Premier League built up a lot of goodwill by threatening to, you know, exile the Super League clubs and everything like that. Right. They built up some some goodwill with the public in that they're losing it the more they the more they do stuff like this. Yeah. You know, you, you've got to actually clarify things. You can't just uh, you can't just give out postponements without saying, like, why? Uh, because their press releases have said pretty much the extent of it is uh, X game is postponed because of a outbreak of coronavirus. What constitutes an outbreak? Why, yeah. why, why do they get that? But other teams like Arsenal in September, why don't they get it? Why, mm-hmm. why don't, why don't Chelsea now get it? You know, you, you've got, you've got to actually look at those sorts of things. And I, I, I think that you've got to clarify things. And if you don't, then you're going to get a lot more problems than you think you might be solving by having games still be played. Yeah. And, and to go off that, it, it's not just, uh, bad for the fans but it's also bad competitively we saw how uh chelsea you know should they still have won against the wolves yeah probably but they were still pretty shorthanded especially up front uh thanks to coronavirus and other injuries of course and that kind of brings into uh question a lot of the competitive integrity that the league is putting into these postponements Really, I think it's unfair to give a competitive edge to those who have an outbreak. Because if you're a team that handled an outbreak correctly, but still have one to three players out, you still have to play your game, according to the Premier League. Which is, of course, you know, that makes sense. But the team who didn't follow precautions or had an outbreak gets to postpone their game until their squad is like fully healthy. That's, it, it doesn't make any logical sense, no matter which way you kind of look at it. And I get that outbreaks aren't necessarily caused by negligence, right? It, it, I feel like that'd be kind of harsh to just like bash on every team that has an outbreak. But in my mind, I think a line has to be drawn somewhere, right? If you have an outbreak, 
that's like when you're a team like wolves where you're fully vaccinated you're boosted you follow precautions enough then good that's what you're doing you're you're doing things correctly it kind of sucks that you had an outbreak unprecedented times yada 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 but if you're a team that has unvaccinated players you have a head coach like david moyes who's okay with unvaccinated players then you're not doing everything that you're doing that you need to be doing and this might be a hot take but i think there should be at some point penalties for negligence right like like if you are not doing your goodwill and you have to postpone a match that that's nobody's fault but your own and as we see i think the ncaa has some policies like that uh in terms of if you have a COVID outbreak at least before omicron came around and it, it, it made sense because at some point it is going to be your program's fault for for not containing uh containing that outbreak jack is that is that too too harsh on me because uh before i answer that question i do have to tell the story livingston in the scottish premiership uh postponements are like the same way in the epl as it is in the scottish premiership and they're actually using it to their advantage which is what really kind of spurred me to think about this uh they even though they have an outbreak they're still using the same bus because they need their game to be postponed in order to have a competitive edge and if that's not the shadiest stuff i've ever heard i don't know what is i don't want to see that happen in the primary league so jack penalizing teams who have uh, who have negligent outbreaks is that too harsh i don't think so i i, I think go. it's a smart idea i mean you know i i am a i'm a big proponent of the idea that you know you can make choices for things right but as soon as those choices hurt something else so whether that's someone else or competitive integrity there's got to be consequences and otherwise you know you're going to incentivize this kind of behavior uh and i i think what they should consider potentially is you know if you uh if you have to postpone a game because of a covid outbreak and uh you have unvaccinated players like though like right it, because we know you can get you can get uh covid with the vaccine right yeah. we, we we know that so it doesn't make sense to just punish anyone who has an outbreak but i think that they should actually put a standard saying you know if you, all of your players aren't vaccinated uh saving for like religious exemptions because those do exist yes uh then you 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 uh i i think i honestly think forfeit the game and lose by three zero that that's that that might be a hot take but i i honestly think i'm kind of sick of of this kind of stuff you know there's been too many teams that have been negligent with this kind of stuff yeah uh you know the nfl has close to a 100 percent vaccination rate yeah and do you know why they have close to a 100 percent vaccination rate because Uh, there's consequences yeah for not for not getting it and uh you know i think if you want people to comply with that sort of stuff, put consequences on it mm-hmm. like that. that That's it. <laughs> I, I think that's the easiest way to stop this kind of this kind of stuff from happening. Yeah, th- that's how our, our university got people to take the vaccine if they haven't already by saying uh, it's either you come in with an actual like doctor's note or religious exemption or you, you have the vaccine or else you aren't going to be allowed here. Yeah. And those consequences work. Uh, so Premier League, listen to us. Don't listen to virologists. Just kidding. 
listen to them first. We are, we are just speaking our mind, even though what we are saying is stuff that comes from experts. Like we're not just giving our opinion here. This is like, this is probably, I'm not going to say all of our opinions uh, about this topic are <laughs> the best way to go about things, but a lot of this is backed up by science, which is what we need to be trusting. The vaccines, the masks, the precautions, all of that. Like that stuff really matters in the grand scheme of things because this is pandemic is still going on. It will go on until it becomes endemic. So just got to do what you got to do until it uh, all you know boils over, I guess. Jack, anything to say else about uh, the COVID crisis at all before we move on to other stuff? Nope, not really. I think I've I think I've covered it and I've ranted a little bit too. So I th- no. I think we're I think we're good. <laughs> I think if there's anything that needs to be ranted about more, it's the pandemic. I'm just yeah. kidding. Let's talk about something else. Uh, not as long of a story, but apparently there's going to be a new joint UEFA slash Conmebol Nations League, uh, in the 2024-2025 uh, Nations League season. So not this upcoming one, the next one. All ten Conmebol teams are going to join UEFA in some kind of joint nations league where all the games are going to be in Europe. So in the current league system with the national teams, Colombian Bowls is just going to be plugged in there and we'll see Brazil and Argentina and Paraguay and Chile play all of our favorite European teams. Jack, good idea? Bad idea? What do you think? Uh, this is a dumb idea. Uh, that That's what I'm going to say about it. Uh few reasons one you're giving europe european teams the home advantage literally every single time uh two the travel costs a lot of yes it's fine for a lot of south american countries to be able to get to europe right but that's not the case for every one of them there, mm-hmm. there's still uh some of those commonable teams who have a lot of high travel costs and mm-hmm. you could be looking at a lot of issues when you and, and factor that in a lot of domestic players, right? Because like Brazil, exactly. a lot of the players are already going to be in in Europe. But like Bolivia, I'm gonna guess that there's a good amount of Bolivian players that play in the Bolivian league. So right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, and another thing, UEFA came down hard on the Super League. This is just the Super League for national teams. That's all it is. Like, uh, like they're they're just saying, oh yeah, Conmebol and UEFA are usually the higher ranked teams in fifa coefficient rankings whatever so let's just bring them all together for one big league with all of the best teams i mean it's not the same exact thing but it it is eerily similar to it and i think it is you know it's it's a bit hypocritical of them and i i don't know i i I get the appeal of wanting to see like you know brazil and england or argentina and germany go against each other right but at the same time no, that that it, it's just a bad idea in general <laughs> all right i am pretty lukewarm to this idea slash i'm kind of okay with it which you know okay. given okay. how much of a stickler i am for competition formats you, you'd assume that anything that changes i'd automatically hate it because that's kind of my mo with some of these but m- my biggest issue is kind of what you mentioned the european advantage i i would like for that to kind of change to because I think European teams also want to get some away day exposure so they're ready for the World Cup or whatever. Uh, regardless, I think that it, it is kind of exclusionary towards other confederations who might be strong. But at the same time, I do like it because Conway Bowl, you know, they don't get to play European teams many times. In fact, 
Brazil and Argentina have long complained that they can't like schedule friendlies with any other out of confederation teams, save for maybe some African or Asian teams, even though they're they're also very busy. North America was busy with our own Nations League. UEFA has their own Nations League. So they didn't get a lot of chance for friendlies. So, you know, it's a good option for them. Uh, but the, the reason why I like it the most is I think, yes, it's exclusionary right now, but I also think it may be opening a door to- towards a worldwide league where all the bottom uh, divisions are regional, but then you have the top leagues, like League A or wherever, where it's the strongest teams from all the confederations in a group which i think is cool because we don't get a lot of cross confederation play ever since the confederation cup uh died in a in a ball of fire so i I, i'm i'm pro that and i'm pro eventually evolving the nation's league into uh, a more comprehensive uh answer to uh the world cup to be opposite of that another pro i guess now i'm saying it is it might it might kill a biennial World Cup, and instead we have, instead of a, a, a tournament, it's, it's a league. And I think that's kind of interesting, Jack. Uh, the major con is, or pro if you want to look at it that way, it sets the stage perfectly for a UEFA slash Bowl versus FIFA fight to see who could control the international game. And knowing those three confederations, it can get very ugly in terms of the the pr and the legal battle so i'm not necessarily looking forward to that that that's just what i think of that i guess any thoughts on my my shilling for a uefa and conme bowl how much did uefa pay you for that one how uh, uh, or who offered to take your final from uefa who was it infantino (laughs) wait is infantino the 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 main uefa guy or is that is that the main FIFA guy? I'm forgetting. I, I can't remember, but oh, I, I don't know. You're you're in the pocket of Big UEFA. Yes, know. I am. I am. <laughs> That's hey, it, I, I I I I I'm just dreaming of a worldwide league. That's that's all I'm saying. I, I I'm 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 a little bit more skeptical about that one, you know. And I, and Jack, <laughs> you are 100% valid for that. That is 100% valid. Let's Jack, let's talk about the Nations League as it is right now by going over some draws for three major competitions that uh, just finished up. One of them had to get redrawn, so I guess it's uh, we're going to go over three and a half draws. Uh, let's go over the Nations League first because we we're just talking about that. The 22-23 groups are out, and let's talk about the top league, League A. Uh, Jack, do you want to potentially walk us through uh, these league groups? Because I know that I guess you can speak about it more than me, but I think France got a pretty good draw relative to some other teams. Yeah, I mean, they they really did. So let's start with um, group one of this. And I believe this goes in. So like group one is uh, has France in it and group two has Spain because they were in the final. Uh, And then three and four based off of third or. Yeah, Italy did win third place. I, I, I think I was just uh, remembering that round. So yep, group yep. one in League A is France, Denmark, Croatia, and Austria. Pretty interesting one in there. I think there's a pretty clear underdog in, in, uh, in those four. Yeah, but and it's France. Nah, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, um, 
Uh, so that I, I think I think that will be an interesting one. I, I FIFA or UEFA, sorry, really like reliving the France versus Croatia World Cup final. Yeah, this apparently. is going to be the I don't know fourth or fifth time that game is happening in uh, since 2018. So yeah, fun again. Cool. Uh, group two in Ligue: Spain, Portugal, Switzerland, and Czech Republic. I'm looking forward to Spain versus Portugal twice. That that's a good one right there. Yes. Um. And then uh, Switzerland and Czech Republic. I know you you like the Czech Republic a little bit since there's some mm-hmm. West Ham players in there. Uh, group three, Italy, Germany, England, and Hungary. Jeez. Stacked group. Jeez. Uh, that, Hungary that's... got screwed again. Yeah, really. Um, uh, but yeah, this is going to be a really interesting one because any of those three can take the top spot in this group. Uh, obviously, I'm talking about Italy, Germany, and Hungary. In yes. Yeah. <laughs> And then group four, we've got Belgium, Netherlands, Poland, and Wales. This is probably the most open of them. I, I think it's probably going to go to Belgium or the Netherlands, but Poland and Wales aren't, aren't bad teams by any yeah. measure. So uh, I think that will be a really interesting one, especially since this could be Belgium's first major tournament without some of their key players like uh, from years past because their right. defense has aged out quite a bit. So it'll be interesting to see if Belgium looks any different. Uh, should I go, should I go over the other leagues a little, a little bit briefly? I, I think, I think there's some interesting ones still in yeah, there. Yeah, sure. If you want to highlight any, uh, cool groups that you see in a uh, B, C or D. Yeah, go ahead. Well, uh, league B has group four. Super interesting to me because oh, you've wow, got yeah. Sweden versus Norway for two of those. Some, uh, some Nordic countries battling it out there and Serbia and Slovenia who are pretty close to each other as well. Uh, in, in, uh, South east asia or not asia (laughs) europe (laughs) uh and then you know i i also think group one in league b is pretty interesting ukraine scotland ireland and armenia ukraine and scotland especially are catching my eyes there uh that's how bad that would be um but yeah there's some interesting ones in the in those lower leagues but everyone's going to be looking at league a of course yeah and just so everybody who is confused the nation's league is just pl- it re- replaces the friendlies um it's get play gets played in the fifa international windows e- each of these uh four teams at least in the uh league a four groups four teams play each other all, all the other teams once so it's six games for each team top team goes into the semifinals of the nation's league yeah just to echo jack i am looking forward to all, all these games but especially group three in a uh, league a italy germany and england only one of those teams could make it and something tells me that i don't know it might be a surprise i don't know <laughs> uh but group one i think is also interesting just to see i think france is gonna win but i, I i'm really curious to see who gets second place because I, I think france will win i think denmark is going to be a strong contender yeah. after the world cup qualifying campaign they had and the euros so yeah oh, i'm yeah. looking forward to that I, I definitely think Denmark uh, are in a strong, con- strong contention to do pretty well. All right, let's talk about some Champions League. UCL draw happened and then it happened again. There was a redraw due to United not being put into the pool of possible opponents for Atletico Madrid during the original draw. And that messed things up. And so they had to redo it. Uh, Real Madrid got really mad about the redraw because it happened after they got initially drew and they drew, you know, pretty easy team in Benfica, I believe it is. I believe that's correct. Yeah. 
And so they got mad, and then they got drawn to a harder uh, team, to say the least. Yeah. So I, I, I'll go over uh, these draws, uh, starting off with Salzburg versus Bayern Munich, the upstart Austrian team against the German Giants. We have Sporting Portugal versus uh, Manchester City. Pretty clear who we think is going to win that. And Sporting, yep. Yes, mm-hmm. I was going to make that joke, and it's like the third time you made that joke, but <laughs> I, I was like, oh, crap. It's a good joke, though. Yeah. Uh, Benfica versus Ajax, a perfect opportunity for Ajax to uh, keep on their good run, even though Jack thinks that they're the biggest pretenders in the Champions League. I stand by it. I stand by it. All right. Then we have Chelsea versus Lille, and Jack, why don't you walk us through why this is funny that Chelsea drew Lille here? Uh, because they drew them in both of the draws, and yes. I was very nervous when they said it was getting redrawn. Because I was, uh, the only other teams that Chelsea could get were, uh, I believe, I could be completely wrong on this, but it was either uh, Bayern or Real Madrid. Or Ajax. Or Ajax. Ajax or Bayern had already been picked at the time. Okay. So it was either Ajax, Real, or actually Ajax had already been picked as well. So it was either Real Madrid or Lille. And... I'm very glad, to say the least, that we got Lille again. Yes, uh, you guys got Lille uh, pretty, you know, relatively easy uh, for you, unless Jonathan David has his way with uh, an injured defense. Hopefully not injured by that point. Uh, but a harder draw for uh, a fellow English team would be Manchester United facing Atletico Madrid. Even though Atletico Madrid just lost three games in a row for the first time since Diego Simeone has taken over in 10 years. Crazy. Uh, then it's Villarreal versus Juventus, Inter Milan versus Liverpool. Pretty good game there. And probably the most exciting match of the round of 16, PSG versus Real Madrid. Ramos returns against Real Madrid, and this time with a new friend, Lionel Messi. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Jack, any of those draws uh, stand out to you? Uh, well, I'm, 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 I think Atletico versus Man U is a really funny draw as well especially since that's the whole reason why it had to get redrawn. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's pretty funny that that's how that turned up. But uh, as far as like the most competitive game out of these, I'm actually looking forward to Villarreal versus Juventus. I think that's going to be a very interesting game overall. I, I don't think either of those teams are incredible. And Juventus are on a terrible run in the round of 16 of the UCL. Yeah. So uh We'll we'll see if uh, if Villarreal can make some waves, and I believe this is their first time in the competition since like two thousand four or five. Oh so, wow! Where they made it to the semifinals. Oh, so, so maybe it, another run is in the cards. It would be interesting. They they they're not a, a a bad team despite not doing great in La Liga, but it'll. I think that's going to be a sleeper pick for an exciting match right there. All right. Honestly, this might be a little weird. I am looking for, forward to Salzburg versus Bayern because I think no matter what happens, there's going to be goals. Whether side is scoring the goals, it doesn't really matter. I just think it's going to be a fun match indeed. Let's move on to the better Champions League, the CONCACAF Champions League, which just drew the round of 16. And what a draw this was. Uh, I'll, I'll go over uh, these teams, and I apologize in advance for any mispronounced uh, uh, Latin American teams that I'm about to butcher uh on the top side of the bracket from how i'm looking at on it in wikipedia we have club leon and guastatoya 
of uh, what is that? Guatemala, I want to say. Yes, I know my flags. Good for me. <laughs> uh, next, wh- the per- the team that faces the winner of that game will be uh, the winner of Matagua of Honduras and Seattle Sounders of MLS. Go Sounders. Uh, then it's Colorado Rapids and a uh, Comunicaciones. Yes, of Guatemala. <laughs> Uh, next is oh, God, <laughs> Santos de Guapiles facing the MLS Cup winners NYCFC. And so uh, the winner of that game will go against the before mentioned team. And a, a lot of MLS uh, representation here and only one Liga MX team, which is pretty interesting. and might be MLS's best chance to get back into the CONCACAF Champions League final. Unless... Monagua or Santos de Gua- Guapiles has something to say <laughs> about it, of course. Uh, next is a oh, pretty good match uh, in the bottom side of the bracket. It's uh, Pumas of Liga MX versus Saprisa, which is a very, very good Costa Rican uh, side. I'm pretty excited about that as a neutral. Uh, next is Haitian side uh, Cavalli versus the New England Revolution of MLS. Uh, th- those two matches will play each other in the quarterfinal. And next is what I like to call Canada's death because it's Santos Laguna of Liga MX versus CF Montreal, who, if we're being honest, did not have the most impressive of uh, seasons, just got there because they won the Canadian Championship, which is, you know, is impressive. They're still a good team, but Santos Laguna is, you know, no pushover in uh, Liga MX. And then it's Really exciting, Forge FC, the first ever Canadian Premier League team to face uh, a side in the, the CONCACAF Champions League. And they're going against, oh, you know, nobody but uh, Cruz Azul, <laughs> oh. which, oh, if no. uh, for those of you who don't know, are a good team. Might not have been the most uh, successful of teams overall, but, you know, they did happen to win uh, League MX this year. Did happen to win the League's Cup in 2019. So, uh, welcome to the show. Forge FC. Uh, I, honestly, like the top side of the bracket, it's definitely winnable for um, MLS teams. The bottom side of the bracket, New England Revolution, I'm sure they can get past that Haitian team. Pumas might be a different story. But Montreal and Forge FC, that's going to be a yikes for me. Jack, anything else that yeah, that you see out of out of this uh, bracket? Uh, no, I, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see how... This all plays out. I, th- I think you're right um, about, you know, the top side of that bracket being better for MLS teams. That being said, um, it, it, it's kind of strange because I think the New England Revolution are going to get knocked out like second round because uh, they, they've got a tough draw to to go up against. So, yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how that how that works out. But I would not be an envy of where the New England Revolution got drawn if I'm another MLS club. Yes, I, I, I don't think I'm really, I'm looking at any of those teams in the bottom side of the bracket with any envy. Uh, even yeah, even if New England Revolution make a pass uh, Cavalier, which I think they hopefully will, you have to deal with Pumas and Saprissa. Either side are very, very good. That's that's going to be tough. So I, I think the easiest path to the finals for an MLS team has to be Colorado Rapids and NYCFC. If they both win their respective games, they face each other in the quarterfinal. One of them will go through and face either likely Seattle Sounders or Club Leon in the semifinals. So, you know, it's doable. 
But as we've been saying that since the last time uh, MLS won the Champions, it wasn't even the Champions League, it was the Champions Cup back then. And that was like 1999 or 2003 or some, some whatever. Ugh, it's been a while. All right, let's... I, I, I'm going to talk very briefly about the U.S. men's national team playing Bosnia and Herzegovina uh, just because I, I, I just needed to say something because I'm sick of Twitter. I'm absolutely <laughs> sick of Twitter. People say Twitter is accessible, and I was like, no, it's, it's good. It's fun. There's fun memes. I'm For U.S. men's national Change team Twitter, I'm, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Like, I, I, Twitter, Twitter's bad. So USA played Bosnia and, and Herzegovina in a, a non-FIFA friendly, so it was mostly a domestic team uh, outside of the FIFA window, just random December day, apparently. It was a 1-0 win, late Cole Bass goal, good to see from him. Got to see some young guys play, like Cardoso, who I thought was pretty good, Ferreira, Jonathan Gomez, who's moving to Real Sociedad, really cool, Ryan Reynolds, who Jose Mourinho hates, apparently, Cade Cowell and Cole Bassett. And I loved what I saw from the likes of Zimmerman, Jordan Morris, Bello, Brooks Lennon. Pepe wasn't great, though. Kind of sad to see. But I'm disappointed not to see Slonina and Booth and Clark or Justin Shea. Instead, seeing the likes of Ewell, Zaris, Roldan, and Acosta. But at the end of the day, Jack, I'm not mad. I mean, how could I be, right? It's Camp <laughs> Candy Cane, as I'm calling it. It's Camp Cupcake for uh, January camps. It's Camp Candy Cane for December camps from now on. Because it's mostly a camp of domestic players in order to keep them healthy and get looked at in training camp. These December and January camps were always that. Yet, Jack, Twitter got so, so mad. So, so mad. And it really irks me about how reactionary that place kind of gets. So it came out that Brooks Lennon, Kessler, and Bellow impressed in camp and, oh, we're going to start the game. That's cool, right? It's good to have, uh, give starts to, to, Players in a meaningless friendly to those who show the most commitment, best teamwork, and leadership during what is essentially a preseason training camp and friendly. But no, 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 no. The fact that Burhalter didn't start all the youngsters in the starting 11 and the average age wasn't 14 and a half <laughs> apparently was a travesty. I just don't understand how you can be mad about the lack of meritocracy in the U.S. men's national team with the likes of Legette starting despite not playing well. And then turn around in that same breath and get mad when players who have done well in camp outperformed your favorite player get rewarded. That's how it should be for these meaningless non-FIFA window friendlies. People say we need to integrate players. We need to get players playing time if they don't get at their club. We need to look at different players. Well, what do you think training camp is? Do you think that for the past two weeks, Burhalter wasn't talking to these guys, integrating with the culture and getting them used to tactics? Do you think that the 90 minutes play to cap out the camp is the only thing that matters? Do you think Burhalter just had covered his eyes and covered his ears and started screaming when he looked at the slayers? No, of course not. That's naive. And who cares how we played and uh, who played? Because that's not the point of these camps. The main meat and potatoes that happens from these camps happens backstage. We don't see it. Really, because of the lack of quality from these games, and we've seen it before. We obviously say that you know, that was fun, but we didn't really get anything out of that. To me, that's the same way as how Burhalter sees it. You know, he, he sees this as like a way to reward players, give, give, give the fan base something to look at. But players are still getting used to the tactics. They're still getting used to each other. We don't have our best players to make tactics most cohesive. This camp is purely onboarding and fitness management. It's always been that. In a non-FIFA window again. 
So why are people getting so upset that it didn't go exactly their way, right? It It's really inconsequential. I don't think that we're going to win games because we we played all of our youngsters in this friendly. I don't think they're actually going to get that much other than that onboarding experience. So why is Eric Winalda good player, but why is Eric getting mad? I don't know. Why are Twitter accounts literally freaking out because they hate Acosta and Morris? Why were they, and I, I seriously saw this on Twitter, why did they start cheering for Bosnia to score because they hated Greg Werhalder so much? That's, that's crazy. I, like, have I lost my mind? I think I have whenever I go on US Men's National Team Twitter. I don't know where the disconnect here is. Berhalter and the USSF have a lot of issues that we've highlighted in the past, but not playing your favorite player in a non-FIFA window, that, that's what gets you mad? That's not fandom. <laughs> that's called not having any other hobbies to think about. It's so weird how obsessed US Men's National Team Twitter, and I don't see that on like club Twitter, right? Even on Chelsea Twitter. Chelsea Twitter gets absolutely mm-hmm. insane, and I'm, I'm a part of that because I, I like laughing at, at Chelsea when they don't oh, do well. Dang. But even like their level of reactionary is still like kind of based in like logic. I think just because it's a national team and we play like five games a year sometimes that like it gets people really riled up and really concentrated in that. That's what I want to say. It was a fine friendly. We didn't actually like learn anything. But it was cool to see players and that as much as you can take out from these Camp Cupcake and Camp Candy Cane games. All right, that's enough. I'm off my soapbox. Jack, real quick news. MLS schedule is out. How happy are you with uh, Minnesota United's schedule and uh, everybody else's schedule? Well, I'm looking forward to it, and hopefully we'll be able to go to an away game some point this season. Something that we've wanted to do. We'll see if we're actually able to do it. Yes, I'm really excited to uh, go to some away days. Uh, I didn't take a great look at the schedule. I do know that we, I think, are ending the season a little bit earlier. So when Minnesota United inevitably make the MLS Cup, it'll be a little warm. So, uh, no, you're, you're missing the step before that, where we bottle the conference finals. <sighs> oh, uh, God. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's just what Minnesota sports are. We don't make it to championship games. That's not what we do here. Yes. Unfortunate. Uh, the only other uh, real quick news we have is Algeria winning the 2021 FIFA Arab Cup. I didn't even know this was happening, Jack, <laughs> until uh, the final. Yeah. I really wish I did because it's kind of interesting. So uh, for those of you who aren't geographically inclined, uh, the Arab world uh, in, in you know, planet Earth. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> uh, it, it, it crosses both uh, sub-Saharan Africa and uh, the Arabian Peninsula. So it's the likes of Saudi Arabia, Algeria, Morocco, Egypt, Somalia, Yemen, Iraq. And they don't really have a competition, even though they're very culturally close together. Because one's on Africa and one's uh, in Asia, and those confederations don't really mix. And so... Uh, this is a, this is a, the Arab Cup is something that has existed before, but I think this is the first time that FIFA is actually like the main uh, organizer of this event. So even though they, n- nobody really had their star star players, like Egypt obviously didn't have Mo Salah, uh, but this this Arab Cup still happened, and Algeria came out on top uh, uh, ahead of Tunisia, and I think that's that's pretty interesting. Uh, I I think I'd like to see more of these. These cup competitions happen between uh, countries that sometimes don't really play each other. 
I'm thinking, I guess Caribbean Cup can happen because it's within CONCACAF, but I don't know, maybe Jack, Guyana can join like a South American Cup where you guys play Brazil. How how does that sound? Uh, No, no, I'm good. I'm good without that one. Uh, I think that would lead to potentially a 15 to zero or something like that. Uh, So I have no desire for that personally. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, that's it for those real quick news, Jack. Let's talk about some predictions. Why don't you go over the scoring system for our prediction game and where people can participate if they would so choose. Yeah, well, you get 10 points for getting the correct result. You get 20 points for getting the exact scoreline correct and zero points for getting none of it correct. We predict five games. You can vote on those predictions as the listeners on Twitter. I believe this week's iteration will be the last one of the season that we have. I I think it's actually the second to last. Second to last. So, you know, you want to get involved? uh, Might as well well start playing playing now, at least, because from last I remember, the listeners need some help catching up. Yes, and after this week, they definitely, definitely will. Uh, I'll take the first one. It was Arsenal versus uh, West Ham United, my favorite team. And I try to tell you, Jack, I try to tell you that West Ham were definitely going to lose. And it did. I'm kind of mad about how, the, the way that we lost. Uh, first first half, not, not very good. Uh, kind of a, a tepid half from us. Yes, we were away from home, but you still would want something. Uh, but right out, out of the gates in the second half, Martinelli, assisted by Alexander Lacazette, gives the lead to the Gunners. And yeah, it was just a bottom right corner. It was a fine goal. A uh, good way to start for Arsenal. Not great for us. Luckily, Emil Smith Rowe saved my day uh, in terms of FPL points with uh, a, a later goal that he was about to score. That wasn't until Vladimir Sufal uh, got a second yellow and got sent off. I'm, I'm usually not biased. I don't think this is a penalty. I think he got most, if not all, ball. Uh Maybe I'm just mad because Sioux Falls also on my FPL team. Yeah, that, that actually ruined your week in the draft league, too. Yes, I, I, I lost uh, my game against uh, Jordan, and kind of, that kind of sucked because he, he conceded the penalty, got sent off. Obviously didn't have a, a, a clean sheet before that. But Alexander Lacazette steps up, and Fabianski saves it. My man, my, my, my favorite <laughs> Polish goalkeeper. Take that, Chesney. Uh, but Emil Smithrow at least kind of gave me some points back for FPL by scoring uh, a, a late goal. Pretty good goal as well. Uh, clinical, to say the least. Not, not a good game for West Ham at all. Sioux Fall, but also Antonio was terrible. Needs some rest. Needs to get a sub. Uh, and yeah, that's uh, that. Jack, why don't you walk me towards a, a game I'm sure you'd love to talk about, which is Wolfsburg versus Chelsea in the UEFA Women's Champions League. Oh, before really- that, sorry. Before you even get to <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Ahead of myself. Uh, I guess one to zero for Arsenal. Ten points for me. Jack and the listeners uh, both guessed wrong. Jack said one to one draw. West Ham is who the listeners picked. You both get zero points. Oh. All right. Sorry, Jack. Now I want to talk about your favorite game of the week. No, no, no. This is one of my least favorite games of the week. Oh, really? There, there, hmm. there's, a, there's some bad hmm. games this week that I didn't really enjoy, but this one, this one was the worst one um, because Chelsea, uh, Chelsea women uh, faced off against Wolfsburg. And got knocked out of the UCL altogether uh, by finishing third in their group. And you guys so, were finalists last year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so um, I'm not too happy with that one. And the way that they lost too, four to zero. Wow. Um, 
it was bad to say the least. A lot of that goes down to trying out a new formation in in one of the most important games of the season so far. Uh, not the best decision, I'd say, but it, it was a four to zero destruction, really, by Wolfsburg. Uh, Huth, 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 Huth. I'm yeah. pronouncing that wrong. <laughs> Svenja Huth, uh, German, scored twice in it mid from midfield, and I'm definitely gonna mess up this one. Tabea Wasmuth, Wasmuth. Yeah, I'm, I'm messing it up. I don't, I don't. German is one of the languages that I've never tried to learn. Um, and there, and therefore I'm not going to pronounce any of them right, but they both scored two goals, uh, and Chelsea had no reply. Sam Kerr wasn't great that game. Pernilla Harder wasn't great. Fran Kirby wasn't either. It, it was just a bad performance in general. And it ends with Chelsea unceremoniously getting dumped out of the Champions League. Uh, I guessed one to two in favor of Chelsea. So, um, Zero for me, zero points, just like the amount of goals that Chelsea scored. Uh, and uh, AJ said two to one for Wolfsburg, so he'll get 10 points. The listeners back Chelsea as well, but that's zero points as well. Yes. Sorry, Jack, but great for the US men's national team, who I already mentioned, uh, played against Bosnia and Herzegovina in an international friendly. Ended up being a very uh, uh, conservative one to zero win. Jack said two to zero gets ten points. I said four to one because I thought you know we play a little bit better get ten points. Listeners also backed the USA for ten points as well. And I'll also take AC Milan versus Napoli, which just happened today. And this ended up being one to zero thanks to who else, Jack? But my one of the most underrated players in the game right now deserves more credit. <laughs> deserves more hype. It's Elgif Elmas gave a one to zero win in the fifth minute. And Napoli, away from home too. Uh, Napoli were not in good form, so they're back on track. Uh, Jack said two to two, get zero points. I said two to one, should have backed Elmas, bro. Zero points for me. AC Milan is who the listeners voted for. They also get zero points. Uh, not a great game for us, Jack. But how about Tottenham Hotspur versus Liverpool in the Premier League? How did that shape up? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm not sure if, I, if, if you'd agree with me on this, but I think out of the five games, biggest upset of the five. Yeah, that, this is, yeah. I, I wasn't expecting this at all. Yeah, uh, Liverpool didn't beat Tottenham. They yeah. uh, drew in a pretty good 2-2 two -two match. Uh, Harry Kane finally found his shooting boots and put him on today. Yeah. Uh, 13, uh, 13th minute goal got Tottenham off to a lead. But Diogo Jota wasn't having that, and by the half, it was level. He scored in the 35th minute. Andrew Robertson had quite an interesting game, which I'll get to. He scored uh -huh. in the 69th minute. Uh, you know, good, good for him. Son, of course, scored as well in the 74th minute. Tottenham's key duo performing when they needed it most. Uh, but Andrew Robertson, he, he decided that the goal wasn't enough. He needed to get a red card, too. Just yeah. just to spit in the face of any fantasy managers that picked him uh, this week, you know, uh, he wanted to make sure he didn't get him too many points, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So he got sent off in the 77th minute. Yeah. But overall, very good game. Uh, pretty, pretty even, I think. Uh, Tottenham had a little bit less possession, but same same amount of shots. It, it, it was a solid game. And yeah. for that, I will get, uh, you know, 
I I would like to say I will give it all the points, but it's not giving any to us. Uh, I guessed three to one for Liverpool. I get zero points. AJ guessed two to zero for Liverpool. Zero points. And our listeners, of course, back Liverpool for yes. zero points, which leads to pretty bad uh, point totals this week. Uh, AJ did all right. He got 30. Yeah, I was going to say, speak for yourself. Yeah, I got, I got I, 30 points. You and the listeners, Jack, got 10 points yeah, each. Yeah. And before we move on, I have to highlight the Liverpool game a little bit more because Andrew Robertson first got the Diego Costa hat trick of an assist, a, a, a goal, and a red <laughs> card. First Liverpool red card in two years. Very, very well disciplined up until now. And I, I also have to highlight probably the funniest moments of the game, which was Klopp absolutely hating the referee, Paul Tierney, saying, couple quotes from him, I have no problems with any referees, only you. <laughs> and then another quote, Klopp to the referee, you've never played football. And, you know, you mentioned this is a good game. This was a good game for neutrals. Not a great yeah. game for the referee oh, because Harry Kane got a yellow card against Liverpool, which probably should have been a red or at least close to it. Uh, uh, Mohamed Salah had a handball before the Andrew Robertson goal, did not get caught. Uh, there's a foul on Jota that was pretty bad in the box and was not a penalty. And Andrew Robertson, yes, it was a red card, but I think Liverpool fans will be a little hard done given the fact that Harry Kane did not get any such call against him in that manner. So, a little bit of controversy, but no controversy in our scoring, Jack, because it is 450 for me on the season, 410 for you and our listeners. Listeners, come on, 380 points. Two more weeks, Jack. I don't know. I, I if I, if I want to, I can just guess all of the teams that you guess, and then ah uh, no, no, that's not know, fun. that's not fun. No, nah, no, nah, not fun. That that's just like captaining uh Sala every single week in FPL. You oh, know. Um, I wonder who did that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, me too. I. Yeah. Not same. not great. Not great. Yeah. Well, how about we jump into next week's predictions, where we look at the the five biggest games and. Try to predict them, uh, COVID notwithstanding. Let's begin with Sevilla versus Barcelona in La Liga. Jack, who is winning uh, this match here? Well, this is an interesting one because Sevilla are surprisingly, perhaps, in second place overall in La Liga. And Barcelona, they are having... Uh, I, I'm, I'm wary to call it a resurgence until it's I see more game. from them. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, you know, they, they, they've been playing all right recently they still ship two goals against lj a team literally called milk uh so you <laughs> oh, know uh, i'm not i'm not sure how confident i'd be in their ability to beat sevilla although in their past two games they beat them by a combined five to zero margin uh so i I've, i'm i'm tempted to go with them but at the same time i feel like this barcelona team is still a bit too uh, inexperienced has a lot of injuries still like a lot a lot uh so i i think i'm going i think i'm gonna go for sevilla on this one in a two to one win i i think that could be a downfall but you know at this point in the season i've got to go for uh, for some uh some crazy picks to try and go for the upsets sometimes i mean isn't an upset if sevilla are second and barcelona are seventh i don't know yeah, I mean, Xavi is still getting used to the squad, a squad that is quite raw, injured, and depleted, even though they're doing pretty well in 
scapegoating deaths right now. Not a big fan of that. But Sevilla were able to beat Atletico Madrid this past weekend thanks to star performances from Kunde and Rakitic. I think this is their moment to shine. However, I also guessed 2-1, and I don't want to go with that. So I'm going to go for a conservative, good result for Sevilla, 1-1 one one there. Next, it's Tottenham Hotspur versus West Ham United in the EFL Cup quarterfinals, if it happens. And Jack, I got one word to say, and that is massive. I knew, I knew that was going to be the word, you know, that it is going to happen. Is West Ham United, you know, do we have any defenders? No. Is Tottenham in you know, pretty good form tying Liverpool and, you know, getting Son and Kane, their scoring boots back? Yes. But are we massive? Yes. One to one, West Ham on penalties. Who else but my man, Mark Noble and Declan Rice scoring the last two penalties to win it for West Ham United. Jack, are you with me? No, I'm, uh. I'm afraid not. Um, yeah, um, you don't have center backs, really. You've got some technically, but you're I also Dawson and Diop are world class. Oh, God. <laughs> but you you um, I'm not sure is Sufal suspended for this as well. I believe he I believe I... all England games are are carry over for suspensions. So I I I I. I... Is that true? Because if, if that's the case, then you're you're in for even more hurt because um, you have one fit fullback then uh, who wouldn't be suspended. Uh, so if Sufal is out, that's a bit of an issue. Um, I I I I'm sorry, I can't back West Ham on this one. I really can't. I would like to. Uh, their attack's good. Their midfield's pretty good, but no defense whatsoever. And you just got Harry Kane and Son get a little bit of confidence back by scoring against one of the better teams in the league. Uh, I think that could hurt them a little bit. And I am going to go for a 1-0 Tottenham win. I, I, I don't like saying Tottenham are going to win at all, but I think it's going to happen. All right. Well, I got two words for you now. Lanzini with those three. Never mind. <laughs> so No, I think that's still one. <laughs> Uh, whatever 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 anyways let's talk about a team that will surely lose uh let's talk about chelsea facing off against aston villa in villa park jack about our first of three boxing day matches if they happen who is winning this uh this uh matchup of ants tiny tiny teams facing off wow uh I, i'm offended personally by that one but uh you know it really depends on who's actually going to be ready to play this game. Because both of these squads are heavy hit with COVID right now. Uh, Chelsea are missing Hudson-Odoi, Jorginho, Lukaku, Loftus-Cheek, Werner, and Havertz from COVID. Yikes. Whereas Aston Villa are missing El Ghazi, Traore, Steer, Davis, Bailey, Nakamba, and Sanson. It's it's really a battle to see who can have the most depleted squad. Um, that being said, I think, you know, I'm realizing now uh, Leon Bailey is just an injury in general. He's yeah. not just out from covid. He could be back. It could be. But I, I'm I'm still going to back Chelsea. I don't I don't Ugh. know why I'm even trying to rationalize it. I'm, you, you knew it was going to happen, just like you're going to back West Ham to win on penalties. I, I'm backing Chelsea to win. Uh, I'm going to say, 
I'm going to say one to zero. Get back to the, the classic one to zero win, you know, just hope, hope and pray. You know, Mendy hits some some good form. Uh, Rudiger, Silva, they were both good today. Maybe uh, don't play as to this time. Uh, and we'll see if we can. Yeah. Well, here's the X factor for me, Jack, when I look at this. Okay. Aston Villa have an appropriate length of rest. 12 days off, not enough to get rusty, but just enough to maybe get El Ghazi back from COVID-19 protocols and maybe Bailey back uh, from his injury. Meanwhile, Chelsea are still dealing with many injuries and COVID, plus need to play Brentford in the EFL Cup midweek. Jack, do you, know, do you want to know the last time Chelsea had a midweek off? Um, a while. Uh, I mean, the international break, technically. But. Yep. It, it, you have not had a, a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday off since uh, mid-November in the November international break. Oh, great. And something tells me, like, you're either going to prioritize the Brentford game or going to prioritize this game. Probably going to prioritize this game more, but still, not a lot of rest. I think Villa can get a surprise result, not a win, but I'm going with the one-to-one -one draw again for three times in a row, three games in a row, one-to-one. One. Uh, I'll take this one, Manchester City versus Leicester City, another uh, Boxing Day game. Manchester City uh, were the only of the current top three to get a positive result this past weekend, and they've just been rolling over everybody, scoring 12 in their last three games, conceding zero. Even against weak opposition, that's still pretty good. I think their 2.4 goals per game and most clean sheets combo should be enough to win this game 2-0. to zero. I'm breaking my 1-1 one to one streak. Jack, what do you think about this City versus City game? Uh, well, yes, Leicester had a positive result against Newcastle. Actually, the same result that City had against Newcastle. So oh, they, wow. they, they both had a 4-0 win then. Uh, but Leicester's defense has not been fantastic. You know, they've conceded, what is it, five plus, you know, <laughs> nine goals in five games they've conceded. Um, and they're playing against Manchester City, who scored seven past leads. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not too optimistic about Leicester's chances. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say three to zero, honestly. I, I, think, I think City might do some damage to him. All right. Speaking of damage, Liverpool versus Leeds United. Jack, who who's winning that? Surely not Leeds, right? Uh, well, no, I don't I don't think so. <laughs> yes, Liverpool struggled uh, against uh, against Tottenham this uh, this I mean, today as we're recording yeah. this. But at the same time, it, it really depends, though, I guess, because if Van Dyke is still out with COVID and Fabinho is still out with COVID. That changes the complexion of this because and Robertson is out. That is true. Uh, at the same time, they've got the FPL goat from the first two weeks of the season. Simikas. Simikas, let's go. Who can, who can uh, fill in? Uh, I, I, I don't think Leeds are going to do this. They got, they got a draw uh, the last time or not the last time they played in the league, but in uh the last time last season they they played and it's in and it's at anfield all of this is just pointing towards negative signs for leeds um i'm gonna say three to one for liverpool all right three to one i'm going with three to zero even with all those those uh players out you still have 
Is Matip still healthy? Sure, him. Simikas is still there. Uh, Fabinho, Fabinho, Shoshminho, whatever. Liverpool. <laughs> Liverpool have got such a crazy, scary front three that... And Leeds are not scary in the back. In fact, Leeds have not conceded less than two goals in four games. And I've conceded 16 in those four. Meanwhile, Liverpool are scoring 2.8 goals a game, which is a league-leading stat. Maybe Leeds will be able to score a goal. I don't know. But I, all I know is that they surely won't keep those balls out of their back of the net. So I'm going with 3-0 to zero there. Uh, Jack, that is it for those predictions and this episode. How do you feel about those? Do you think you can catch up to me? We, we've got quite a few similar results. Yeah. Um, actually, no, I say that every week and then I realize <laughs> that we have three different results. Uh, but hopefully, you know, more of those will go in my favor than they did last week. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we will see, Jack, because I don't know. We're coming down to the wire. Uh, but if if people want to, you know, participate in this uh, prediction game that we got going on or just talk to us on social media in general, where can they find us? They can find us on Twitter at Final Third Show. You can participate in the prediction game. As AJ said, you can check out uh, all the other stuff we have to say about soccer news. You know, if if the Premier League does have some postponements, you'll definitely see us talking about it. So make sure to go on there so you can keep hearing more content from us all throughout the holidays. Yeah, all throughout. Uh, I will say, follow us on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Spotify, Apple Podcast, Podcast Addict, and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Yes, if you listen to us this far, I think that means that we deserve a rating from you on whatever podcast platform you choose to subscribe to us on. So go ahead and do that. Tell a friend about the show. Tell your dad about the show. I'm sure he would love to hear about Omicron if he hasn't heard it <laughs> so many times before. Uh, and yeah, we'll see you guys this this Thursday for perhaps a Christmas or New Year's themed deep dive. We'll see you guys same time, same place for another News and Predictions episode. See ya. Bye for now.